have a gambling problem. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where we learn something new every week, part of the WCBE podcast experience. If you're listening to this when it comes out, it's July 19th, and we are nominated for the Columbus Podcast Awards for 2021. I would love it if you could just take a minute and vote for us in the arts category. It's columbuspodcastawards.com slash nominations. I'll be sure to put a link in the show notes. Also, we've won an award. We're a platinum winner of a .com award for 2021. So that's exciting. I got a few great comments last week about the audio. Despite recording in a hotel room, uh, the bulk of the episode sounded pretty decent. And actually, right now I'm recording using that same setup in my friend's house. I'm up in one of his spare bedrooms. Uh, We're having a guy's weekend. So uh, thanks to a couple friends whose advice I sought out about audio, uh, I put a link to this microphone I'm using for mobile recording in the show notes and in the book bin uh, on our website, where, by the way, you can see recommendations every week of further reading on that week's topic. Finally, I wanted to mention a reminder about the Patreon and thank our folks there. When you join, you automatically get access to 60 episodes of Joke Story Trick and the weekly unedited video interviews from this podcast. You can join for as little as $1 a month. It's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Let's... Hey, Michael. This is Andy from the podcast Opinion Science. I was wondering if you'd heard of the hot hand fallacy. There's this Monte Carlo story from 1913 that I thought would make a good episode. Thanks. Thanks, Andy. Uh, Yeah, this story is about probability and statistics. I love this type of thing, despite the fact that I am horrible with math and numbers. So if you get math anxiety, don't worry. This whole story is going to come from the mouth of someone who also freezes up when he thinks about numbers. I'm that guy that When I play blackjack and everyone's waiting on me to hit or stay, the fact that everyone's waiting makes it so that I can't add my cards up. I just freeze. But rather than blackjack, we're going to start this story talking about roulette. When I say Monte Carlo, you think of one of two things. Either the car, like the the black Dale Earnhardt car with the number three on it, or you think of gambling and casinos. In this case, we're talking about the latter specifically the Monte Carlo Casino in Monaco, and one night in 1913 when a group of gamblers lost millions. The game was roulette. If you're not familiar, this is a spinning wheel with numbers 0 through 36. Bets are placed on the outcome, the wheel is spun, and a steel ball is dropped onto the wheel. The resting location of the ball determines the winning bets. There's no strategy to the wheel only to how you decide to bet. There are more than 20 different types of bets in roulette. But one of the simplest, other than betting on a particular number, which is called a straight up bet and would pay out 35 times what you wagered, is either an odd or even bet, or red or black bet. Those both pay two to one. So basically, you're saying you think that it's going to land on either red or black. You put your chips on the red or black space on the table, and if the ball lands on the one you picked, you double your money. And one night in the summer of 1913, the ball landed on black 26 times in a row. Millions of dollars were lost. I want to bring you to the future for a minute. It's spring of 2000, I'm 21 years old, and it's my first time in Vegas. I'm playing roulette for the first time and decide to bet a block. That means I put my chips on the intersection of four numbers, meaning I'm betting that the ball would land on one of those four numbers. It pays eight to one. 
and I was betting $15 a spin. I won the first time playing, that's $120. I played $15 again, won again, another $120. I played that same bet five times and won my first five times. I turned $15 into $600 in my first five spins ever playing roulette. And because this new game was so easy, I thought, I kept playing that same bet until I lost all of it, young and dumb. I was 21. So now, imagine yourself in 1913 in Monaco. You're putting all your francs down because this wheel is only coming up black five times in a row, 10 times in a row, 20 times in a row. By now, a different type of thinking was entering the minds of the gamblers. It had been coming up black for so long, it had to be red next. So they were putting all their money, some of them putting up their life savings on red. It was due. It had to come up red. But 24 times, 25 times, 26 times, all black. And on the 27th spin, the ball finally landed on a red space and the streak was broken. But by then, so were many of the gamblers. They'd fallen victim to something called the gambler's fallacy. I'll explain that and talk all about the gambler's fallacy and the hot hand fallacy in just a moment. Lately, I've been following Scotty Vest, the brand, on Facebook. It's a clothing company I believe in, and they're all about transparency and honesty with their customers. I really like the brand and their values. From lightweight shirts to hoodies to jackets, their clothes are packed with pockets, even smart RFID blocking pockets, and they're designed with commuting in mind. Give them a look. It's scottyvest.com. And just by listening to this show, you get 15% off your order. Enter promo code TELLME, all one word, T-E-L-L-M-E, that's scottyvest.com, promo code TELLME, or use the link in the show notes. Take a look. I'm sure you'll find something that you like. I've been doing this program for a few years where everything I spend, it automatically rounds to the nearest dollar and takes that little amount of change and throws it into a savings account. It's called Acorns, and it's actually pretty awesome. If you're not the best at taking money out of your accounts for savings, this is a great way to do a little bit each day without ever thinking about it. It's ridiculously easy to use. It shows you how much you've saved and how much you'll have. It's kind of amazing how you don't realize how these little amounts add up, and it's all under your control. You can link it to whatever cards you want, and it just happens. And if you use my link in the show notes to join, it will start you off with $10 for free, just for doing nothing but signing up. Once again, that link is in the show notes. Now let's get back to the story. When you think about how I acted when I won five times in a row my first time playing roulette, you can imagine how people would feel if they had watched a pattern 26 spins long. There hadn't been any red numbers in 26 spins of the wheel, so the gamblers started believing that the chances of that next spin being red had to be higher. But it wasn't. One of the best things someone said to me about casinos is that they didn't afford all those glitzy lights and extravagant buildings by losing. Casinos often operate on fallacies in the minds of the gamblers. Two of the most famous are known as the gambler's fallacy and the hot hand fallacy. The best example of the gambler's fallacy is this instance in Monaco in 1913. It's also known as the fallacy of the maturity of chances, or famously, the Monte Carlo fallacy. 
It's an incorrect belief that if something happens frequently in the past, it's less likely to happen in the future. And in gambling, especially in roulette, the spins of the past and the spins of the future are completely independent of one another. In roulette, because of the green zero space, or in modern wheels there are two green spaces, the chances of a ball landing on red or black are about 46.37%, and that's as true of the first spin as it is the 27th spin. Another example, you're playing dice, and you assume that because no one has rolled a six in a long time, the next roll has a larger chance of being a six. In reality, those chances are still one in six, the same as the beginning, just like the chances of the roulette wheel landing on red on the 27th spin is the exact same as the chances of it landing on red the first spin. It's a coin toss with a fair coin every time. The inverse of the gambler's fallacy is the hot hand fallacy. This is where you see a certain outcome happen enough that you bet it will continue. It's betting on a streak. It was first described by Thomas Gilovich, Amos Tversky, and Robert Fallone in 1985. An example of this is my trip to Las Vegas when I was 21. I saw the wheel hit my block of numbers five times in a row, and my brain calculated that it would hit again on the sixth spin. And my brain calculated wrong. Because just like the gambler's fallacy, the chances are the same on every spin, regardless of what happened in the last hand. Now, there are a few caveats to this. A few researchers have done studies on hot hand fallacy and gambler's fallacy and found that it's not always true that it's 100% the same odds throughout. But mostly this is due to the ability of people to change their bets or change their strategy based on the results, based on the winning in the past. In 2011, a study of NBA basketball players by Yari and Eisenman showed that there was definitely an increase in basketball players making their second free throw if they had made the first. But there are all kinds of factors that play into this that are outside the realm of chance. For instance, if confidence makes you a better player, then a positive result would add confidence and increase your ability on the second attempt. In the game of roulette, there is no player strategy outside of betting, so the outcomes of the wheel are the same for every spin, so it's a great way to study these types of fallacies. Why do we think this way? Well, one theory is that it's advantageous for us to do so in other aspects of life. If I'm a caveman, and I know that the last 10 times I walked two hours in this one direction, there was food there, well, then on the 11th time, that's the direction I'm going. So I'm going to play hot hand fallacy, and it's going to play into my favor. You know, when we see something happen often, we recognize a pattern, and this is how we learn. So we incorrectly and subconsciously take these life lessons with us into the casino, into games of chance. Scientists Amos Tversky and Daniel Kahneman call this the representativeness heuristic. Basically, what we're saying is that we conclude a larger pattern from a small sample of outcomes. In this case, 26 spins of a roulette wheel is a very small sample. If those same gamblers looked at data from 26,000 spins of a roulette wheel, they'd likely bet differently. So next time you sit down to play craps or roulette or any chance-based game, we are sometimes the victims of brains that don't always make rational decisions. So remember that. We operate based on incomplete information and sometimes we act like fools. Remember this quote from Hunter S. Thompson. There are many harsh lessons to be learned from the gambling experience, but the harshest one of all is the difference between having fun and being smart.
Now, it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling Glenn Tickle. Glenn's a self-professed weird dad and stand-up comedian whose album Good Grief can be purchased on his website, and his new comedy special, The Favorite, is out now on Dry Bar Comedy. Welcome, Glenn. Hello. Nice to see you again. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. What have you been up to lately? Uh, not a lot. <laughs> I've been home only a little bit more than usual. Uh, I've been doing a ton of stuff on TikTok, which makes me feel super old. That's been my main <laughs> comedy outlet for like a year and a half. And how's that going? Are you able to build an audience on TikTok with comedy? Surprisingly, yeah. Uh, which okay. again, just makes the, the, anytime something does well, it just makes me feel older because I'll scroll through and I'll see something has like a million views and it's a teenager dancing. And then I'll put up a video of me telling jokes and that'll do really well too. I'm like, I don't understand why anybody likes both of these things, like, yeah, but it is. I do. I'm at, it's the largest following I have on any social media thing. That's really it's, encouraging. I mean, it's fun. I have like, it. You get to do stuff dumb silly jokes and like jump on trends that are fun like yeah. i get it it's fun it is yeah and i haven't put as much effort as i should into it i really need to just do it i'm i do have a fair like i i probably have maybe a couple dozen videos up on there and none of them have really done that well the one that's done the best is the dumbest one where there was just some guy on star trek that i thought looked like stephen miller from the trump administration and i just yeah. said that I said, is that you, Stephen Miller? And that one got more views than anything that I've actually put effort into. So I, that type of thing, it's like, I don't understand why that would be. There must be, I, I, I really don't know. There, maybe there's a, uh, yeah. there's, there's a Trek talk uh, contingency. It that's, does seem like the kind of thing you have to just keep, you just keep, have to keep throwing stuff at it. Like, yeah, I, when I got, first started having things do well i would i would post like a couple times a day like i would i would put up a stand up clip a couple times a week but then just fill it in with other stuff and then at a, at a certain point my views started to die down so then like my interest started to die down and i wasn't posting as much and then it like kind of leveled off and i know like if i just start doing more stuff like it'll probably pick back up yeah. but the only stand-up clips that really do well are all from my album recording, and I don't know why that is. That's <laughs> like, yeah. even those same jokes filmed other places don't do as well. <laughs> That's interesting. The video we have from that recording isn't spectacular. Like, it's just one, it's one wide shot the whole time. But those all really do well. But also, like, that I only have so much stuff I can pull from that yeah. recording. Right, right. So I try. I don't know. Well, that's that's some great insight, man. I you've encouraged me to to get it going more. So I've invited you on the show to talk about gambling. Um, this okay. isn't an intervention. I don't know if you have a gambling yes. problem, but is this how I find out I do it too much? <laughs> yes. uh, so question one: We play for stakes on this show, and for question one, if you get this question wrong, you have to change your Facebook profile photo to Kenny Rogers for one day and post some vague quote about gambling. Is that agreeable? Do I get to pick the? Do I get to pick what picture of Kenny Rogers? Oh yeah, absolutely. You can even pick Will okay. Sasso playing Ken, Kenny Rogers. I don't care uh, wh what <laughs> Kenny Rogers photo you choose, but it just Kenny Rogers photo and a quote about gambling. If you get this wrong, uh, but this first one's probably the easiest one of the five questions. Imagine that you've just spun a roulette wheel and it came up black sure. twenty six times in a row. What are the chances that the next spin will come up black? 
A, greater than average, B, less than average, or C, average? Average. You are correct. You will not have to change your Facebook profile to anything unless you... I might do it anyway. <laughs> okay, yeah, if you want to do it anyway. Uh, yeah, the chances of the wheel landing on red or black is 46.37% every single spin. But in this episode, we talked about a case uh, in Monte Carlo in 1913 where the wheel came up black 26 times in a row and people lost their lives. They lost their entire livelihoods betting that it would be red on the next spin. Uh, and now that fallacy, the gambler's fallacy, is often called the Monte Carlo fallacy because of that instance. Pretty crazy story. Monte Carlo is going to get you every time. Every time. Uh, so for question two, if you get this question right, I will say a tongue twister of your choosing. If, if you okay. get it wrong, you'll say one of my choosing. Sure. Roulette is sometimes called the devil's wheel. Besides the fact that so many people have lost money playing it that it must have been invented by the devil, which one of these is another reason for the nickname? A. The numbers on the wheel add up to 666. B. There was a famous Charlie Daniels song about the devil and a boy playing roulette. Or C. The wheel was invented by a man named John H. DeVille. I'm trying to remember the, what the numbers are on there and do math real quick. Um, I don't think it's that one. C. The answer is A. Uh, <laughs> the numbers on the wheel add up to 666, no matter if it's a single zero or a double zero, obviously. All roulette wheels add up to 666, so they call it the devil's wheel. Uh, I just How high do the numbers go? 36. I know there's zero. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, so here's your, here's your uh, tongue twister. I'll give it a okay. shot. I'm bad at that. <laughs> the 33 thieves thought that they thrilled the throne throughout Thursday. And what I will do is type this in the chat. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to need you to hit me with that again. <laughs> I'm going to get past the word thieves. The 33 thieves thought that they it. thrilled the throne throughout Thursday. The 33 thieves thought that they thrilled the throne throughout Thursday. There you go. Good enough. Almost lost it for yeah, a second. Thrown, there, thrown thrown almost through yeah, thrown almost through you. Yeah. <laughs> you almost got thrown by now the I'm 33 thieves thrown. All right. Uh, let's keep going. <laughs> question three. For this question, we always play for the same prize. It is one of my coveted The Internet Says It's True stickers. Uh, it used to be the Tell Me What to Google sticker, uh, but these Internet Says It's True stickers are a three-inch square sticker that are very hard to come by and extremely valuable. One might say invaluable. I'm just going to steal one off your... I'm just going to steal one off your table at the next. Africa. That's fine. Yeah. Just take some of my. Yeah. That's, you know, take it along with the free Snickers bars and whatever else there is around. Uh, OK, this one's pretty interesting. Who from this following list is not allowed to gamble at the Monte Carlo Casino in Monaco? A. Citizens of China. B. Members of the press. Or C. Native citizens of Monaco. I'm going to say. Members of the press. Believe it or not, the answer is C, native citizens of Monaco. They have That used to be a thing in Pennsylvania where I live in New Jersey, yeah. I'm right on the border. People from New Jersey would go to Pennsylvania to buy fireworks, even though it wasn't legal to have them in New Jersey. In Pennsylvania, it wasn't legal to buy them if you're from Pennsylvania. Yes. So the only people buying them were buying them for illegal intent. <laughs> they changed it. Like everybody can just buy them now right. because nobody cares about 
rules of forest <laughs> fires anymore. There are more important things. But well, not than yeah, forest it was, fires. Those that's, are serious. It was the same situation yeah. <laughs> where like Pennsylvania residents couldn't buy it, but I could go buy it and then smuggle it over the border. Yeah. Like the nasty little man I am. Yeah. And and who's getting that tax money, you know? So like in this case, right. this is a 140-year-old law. Uh, they call the pe- citizens of Monaco, Monaco. Now we're talking about native citizens of Monaco, people who, you know, their families were from there. The, the Mon- I'm, I want to hope, hopefully I say this right, the Monagasques, Monagasques or Monagasques, they're people who are native to Monaco. They're not allowed to gamble or work in the casino. And the reasoning for this was to curb gambling addiction. So they said, you know, you can build this amazing casino in Monaco, but we're afraid our local population is going to fall victim to it. So they're not allowed to go there. And that still stands. That was so a- if I emigrate. Yeah, you can to go to Monaco. Yeah. I can. Yeah, as an expatriate, you could you could totally go there. It just it's just these and, and I think it's something like only like it's under twenty percent of people that live in Monaco are Monegasques. It's only I think it might be like eleven percent of the people that live there. So yeah, most people can gamble there. Uh, so the uh, the sticker unfortunately will be elusive for the time being, Glenn. I'll get it. I'll get that sticker one of these days. <laughs> Question number four. Uh, for this question, we are playing for five Twitter followers. If you get it right, I have to get you five Twitter followers. If you get it wrong, you got to get me five Twitter followers. Deal. And I might just change that to TikTokers because uh, based on what you told me earlier. So, you know. I probably have more sway with TikTok. Okay, <laughs> good. In two- I've, I've, I've had roughly the same Twitter numbers for like 10 years. I now. have too. My Twitter, all of my social media has been so stagnant. Everything's just like, I think Twitter and Instagram are both right around 6,000 and they just sort of stay there. You know, sometimes it'll dip. I got kind of a bump on some of them when TikTok numbers start to go up of just people looking to find me somewhere else. Yeah. But yeah, it's. Now, YouTube is always growing. That's interesting. It grows very slowly, but it's always growing. Um, And and yeah, Instagram, it's always like right at 6K and it has been for years. So. If you are listening, yeah, I don't even know my Instagram. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, uh, my Instagram is at Michael Kent, and uh, you know, go go follow it. Also, you know, this podcast has its own Instagram now. It's the Net Says True, which is also its Twitter and Facebook. But any case, let's keep going with the question here. What? Oh, sorry. In 2004, a 32 year old gambler from England named Ashley Revel sold all his possessions and gambled them on a single spin of the roulette wheel. He bet $135,000, that was his earthly possessions, he bet it all on red, and he won. What is the largest recorded win on a single spin of a roulette wheel? Here are your three choices. A, $500,000, B, $1.2 billion, or C, $3.5 million? I'm going to say A, just because... Super big numbers. It feels like it would be hard to put that many chips or things on the board. So the answer is C, $3.5 million. Uh, Check this out. In 2017, a millionaire, Pedro Grandin Bartel, put down $35,000 on the number 32. It hit. And because it hit and he paid on it, he bet on a single number. It turned his thirty-five thousand dollars into three point five million in a single spin. Oh. Isn't that? I would have answered the same thing, but I misunderstood the question. Oh, okay. I thought it was how much 
money somebody put down on a single oh thing. yeah well now what they won i still would have said five hundred thousand. So <laughs> well well in, in this case yeah it, it's crazy i mean if you're putting down thirty five thousand dollars on the on one single number of one spin you probably have the 3.5 million that you could have put down in the first right, place yeah. so i hate this guy yeah, that yeah, we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> like, i don't what a jerk they're homeless people i've i've never known so little about somebody but rooted against them so hard before (laughs) in my life than this man i'm with you i'm with you he's he's a he's a millionaire and i believe his fortune has to do with some sort of shoe company uh but i can't i can't be certain about that (laughs) oh my gosh is he papa nike no i don't think he's i don't don't think he's daddy nike um so in any case not only do you have to get me five we'll say tiktokers but you can feel free to to you know um Tell him why about this awful, awful man, Pedro Grandin Bartel. Uh, okay. I hate him so much. <laughs> Stupid Pedro. Throwing money around like it doesn't matter. Seriously. Seriously. That's that's money that could feed lots of people. So question five is for all the marbles. If you get this wrong, I'm banning you from the show never to be asked on again. <laughs> what was the biggest risk you've ever taken that has paid off? Uh... The, okay, this one actually kind of uh, tangentially involves you. What? Uh, so doing doing APCA showcases, okay, uh, was probably the biggest risk because the first one I did, uh, I I had one Cozy TV's comedy search, which is a channel that plays Andy Griffith reruns all day, <laughs> and for some reason years ago decided they wanted to bring in a younger audience by doing a, this comedy contest and I won it and there was prize money involved. So I used the prize money to cover doing an APCA showcase and I didn't book anything from it, but I still had a little bit of this prize money. Having done one, I'm like, I think I, I understand a little bit better how this works. Yeah. So I think I'm going to use the rest of the prize money and then I had to put in some of my own to cover the next one and then that one paid off big and then that's I basically that is what turned me into a guy who gets paid to do comedy sometime to so professional for those of you listening um APCA showcases are basically where college groups go to find what acts they want to bring to their school and it's it's changed a lot recently but in the in the heyday it used to be a thing where like you could go there do well and have your entire year booked you can't really do that anymore but i don't maybe you can no. but it doesn't seem like you can really do that anymore i'm very fortunate that i've been in the college market as long as i have because it'd be really tough starting now and uh yeah i remember i think i kind of came in at the tail end of yeah. it being like a real boom well and i uh, i remember the, just that second one that i did i booked i think it was like 15 schools which is incredible. So, like, i booked out I booked out a semester. Yeah. Like I had, I had three or four months pretty solid. Yeah. To come away with 15 um, uh, from a showcase is really, really good. And yeah, that's still the best. I've I had. remember uh, seeing you the first time and then seeing you the most recent time and seeing, I mean, you were funny the first time, but your act has so much more presence now than it did then. It's, it's pretty cool to see that, um, you know, just, the amount of confidence and and momentum that you have built performing in colleges is is really cool. 
And uh, so, you. yeah, man, I hope that you I hope that you you keep it up. I will count that as a right answer. And um, <laughs> Glenn's new comedy special, The Favorite, is out now on Drybar Comedy. You can find that on the Drybar app. Use the promo code Glenn Tickle when you sign up. Uh, and you can listen to his brand new comedy special, The Favorite. Glenn, thank you so much for for coming on the show, man. I really do appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was nice checking in. I'm going to get one of those stickers. Well, that is all for this week. Thanks to Andy for the show topic and to Glenn Tickle for being my guest. The following recording is a recreation of my childhood voice using artificial intelligence. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. Don't forget to join up on Patreon if you want to see the unedited video of the guest appearance or to hear bonus episodes. You can do that at patreon.com slash Kent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from the show, please visit iTunes and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You gotta do it. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new if the internet says it's true. The internet says it's true. We'd like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help make this show possible. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Taylor Hurt, Tony Forth, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, Josh Van Allen, and the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Doug Maxwell. Audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Kent. 